It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. T-Wolves lose in Philly 127-113. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. T-Wolves lose a tough one in Philly tonight. They drop to 20-6 and six on the year. What's happening, everyone? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And before we jump into all the action from tonight, Jack, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. All right, man, let's just jump right into this one. Lots to cover. And I don't know, man, coming in, it just felt like they were maybe due for one of these types of games. Easy to say in hindsight, I know, but Vegas is usually all over this stuff. And when I saw the spread, Philly by three and a half, I I just thought maybe something fishy might happen tonight. Wolves beat this team earlier in the year, if you remember, with no Joel Embiid. And obviously, He's an MVP for a reason. He was unstoppable tonight. And what what can you say, man? I mean, I I don't get how you stop the dude if he just draws all these fouls. And it's so tough to watch tonight specifically because the guy embellishes so much when he's down in the paint, doesn't he? And and don't get me wrong, 90% of those are fouls. I get it. They're legit. But Anthony Edwards doesn't get a lot of those calls. And, And by halftime, Jack, it just seemed like, some Wolves guys were just so afraid to touch him. It just left guys kind of almost shell-shocked, if you will, by the third quarter. That's how bad it got. So not only is he cashing in on all these points, but then double-edged sword, it puts your best players in foul trouble. Two for Rudy, two for Cat, two for Nas, all in the first quarter, man. I, that's my little vent sesh to jump out the gate. But what was your big takeaways? Walk us through this one, what you saw tonight. Yeah, that first quarter was bullshit. Um, to to put it plainly, I mean, Tell us like, how you feel though. There's I mean, just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. The guy's seven foot one, two hundred eighty pounds, and is flopping out, flopping around out there like, you know, he's, you know, like he's being, you know, hit in the hole by a linebacker. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just ridiculous. Uh, the way that he just runs into guys' chests and then flops backwards um, twenty feet away from the basket is a joke. Um, you know, credit give a lot of credit to Joel Embiid for all the work he did in the mid-range. I mean, he was incredible uh, in the mid-range tonight. Didn't miss a shot. And that's, in my opinion, the best part of his game is that when he does want to be physical on the drive and, and score, he's obviously very efficient as a driver. The thing is, is he's just not that physical all that much. Um, you look at Joel Embiid's shots tonight. Uh, he took – how many shots did he take? He took 24 shots, and I want to say that um, – I want to say we took 14 shots in the mid range and made like eight of them or nine of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you gotta, you gotta really, uh, you know, tip your cap when he's doing that. Right. And a lot of them are pretty good contests on Rudy and he does a great job of, you know, kind of lulling defenders to sleep with his dribble before rising up. Right. Uh, and he's got a great pump fake too. And that, that makes it tougher to defend him there. Um, but, you know, shooting 18 free throws again tonight, um, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, he's eight in the first quarter, 
um, 10 the rest of the way. I guess you can count that as a win for the Wolves, but it, it's just a joke, man. Um, it's not basketball. Um, what is basketball is obviously him driving, finishing inside, shooting in the mid-range, but everything else is, is bullshit. Um, and, and it does really impact the game. And I think what's really frustrating uh, for me uh, as a fan of basketball is that you watch guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, um, especially who we'll see tomorrow night, maybe not Anthony Davis because he got hurt tonight. Mm -hmm. um, but guys like that who are just huge and super physical and, um, you know, and really tough covers, but they don't get the same whistle that Embiid does. Um, and, and, you know, defenders are able to be a lot more physical with guys like that than they are with Embiid. For whatever reason, if you touch Joel Embiid at all, it's it's a foul call. Um, and it's, you know, I, I, anything that any NBA player says about Joel Embiid in terms of, being frustrated about it. Uh, they have all the right in the world to say that because you saw a play like Nas, uh, he had a post up on Nas and he spun baseline and dunked and Nas didn't want to touch him because he just knew that it was going to be a foul anyways. And, um, you know, you, you can try to tell guys to just play defense as well as they can. But like when officials are calling the game like that, it undeniably changes the complex, the complexion of the game. Um, and completely gives the Sixers um, an unfair advantage. Um, so I think that that was really the story, in my opinion, for maybe 40% of this game. Um, but the game was lost in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and for me, it starts with uh, the fact that the Timberwolves lost the non embiid minutes by eight points. Um, and considering that they were down Robert Covington and Nick Batum, who are two really, really important players for them outside of Joel Embiid, um, that's pretty inexcusable. And then you look at uh, Tyrese Maxey scoring, uh, I want to say he scored 12 points in the first like four minutes of that fourth quarter uh, when he was even the only even remote scoring threat out there, um, obviously is really tough uh, for the Timberwolves, especially considering the fact that you have Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jade McDaniels both available to you to guard, you know, at full strength. Um, and they just couldn't contain him off the bounce. And, and the Timberwolves bigs, um, Carl Anthony Towns and Nas Reed were in there. Um, just did not do a good enough job of, of helping out Jaden uh, when he got beat off the dribble. And um, and that was just the death knell for the for the Timberwolves, no question about it. I think, you know, Embiid is playing the way he is, and then and then he goes to the bench and you're not able to take adv advantage of it. it lost by, they lost those minutes by three points in the first half, five points um, in the second half. Uh, so just, you know, obviously it's going to be really tough to win the game. And I think that's the biggest reason why they lost is, you know, put all the Embiid stuff aside. I think it was their inability to to win those minutes when, when Embiid was not on the floor. Um, and, 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 you know, if you go back and watch the film there, there were just way too many, you know, just uh, poor shot selection uh, from, from the Timberwolves there. I thought Kyle Anderson took, took a few too many ill-advised shots. And when you have Carl on the at the five, especially with Paul Reed playing the five for Philly and he's only six, eight or six, nine, um, you just got to get Carl the basketball and, and that didn't happen enough in the, in the second and fourth quarters there. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I do not like to come on here and talk refs because I truly think one of the hardest jobs in the world, you could not pay me enough to be an ump or a ref in any sport. So I'm not, I'm not trying to go conspiracy Tim Donahue on the bit here for so sure. 30, no. 30 more seconds here and then we'll move on. But tell me I'm not crazy when I say some some brutal blown calls tonight. The other way, though, too. I mean, Jeff in the comments section just pulled it up, some big ones. Let me pull it back up here um, be, because there were some, some pretty obvious ones here. Reed running into Ant. Harris pulling Rudy away from the ball. Two texts when the refs got it wrong. I mean, if it's just Embiid, right, that's one thing, right? Superstars are going to get those kind of calls. But all the other blown calls as well. Tell me I'm not crazy. 
I mean, not to mention too, Ant trying to dunk over Embiid. That was absolutely a foul. And Jaden McDaniels uh, when he hilariously pointed at Joel Embiid after that finish and transition. That was also a foul. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just a frustrating, frustrating night for sure. I mean, when you when you consider too, I mean, you just look at the overall free throws. I think it was thirty-two to twenty-four um, mm-hmm. in favor of Philadelphia. Um, and people are going to point out, sure, whatever, the Sixers had more fouls than the Wolves, but the Sixers had more shooting fouls, and and those are the fouls that matter, right? Um, so, just just a tough tough one, tough to win when uh, you know when that that tone gets set early, and all your guys are in foul trouble for sure. Uh, Wolves, by the way, seven comebacks of ten or more points this season, most in the NBA. Also, fifteen comebacks in back to back road games, but tonight, obviously, just couldn't find the spark they needed. And and back to the fouls here for a sec that you just brought up. Crazy stat here: Philly fourteenth in fouls drawn and first in foul shots attempted. So yep. that's just all Joel Embiid, right? Uh, and what he's doing drawing those fouls. I, yeah, or am I, I understanding think, that wrong? I think so. I mean. Yeah, I think that it's just the fact that they aren't super aggressive on the drive outside of Tyrese Maxey. That that's also what it tells you, right? Sure. Is that a lot of their a lot of their fouls that they're drawing come on jump shots or come on uh, post up opportunities, right? And um, you know, when that happens, a lot of times that, that those are the fouls that are going to be you know shooting fouls rather than than non shooting fouls. Whereas the Timberwolves, you get guys on the drive. Um, you know, like Ant and Cat who get fouled a lot before they're in a shooting motion. Um, and they get fouled a lot after they come down with defensive rebounds, and that's just not something that that happens with uh, with the Sixers quite as much. So if you know that kind of going in, this is Joel Embiid, this is how they're going to call this game, Daniel Sharp, maybe a little tongue-in-cheek, but if you're playing the 76ers, he said, maybe you throw out Luka Garza and Nas Reed first and just hack the, the living smack out of him. I mean, maybe a little ridiculous, but is, is that kind of concept – a realistic theory that you could put into play versus Joel Embiid in a team like this after what you saw tonight, or is that kind of just kind of way too out there? Yeah. I mean, I'm all for sending a message. Like if you want to have some guy just like kind of take a cheap shot at a guy like that, just to kind of send a message, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess go for it. Um, it's kind of like in baseball, throwing at a guy, like I've got no problem with that. Um, you know, and that's not just like an Embiid thing. That's just like, any like if a Sixers, you know, Carl was cooking and the Sixers had a guy come in and take like a hard foul, like, you know, I'm I've I've got no problem with that either way. Um, but yeah, I agree with that comment as well. Completely no reason to overreact. But um, yeah, I mean Luca Garza, you know, great guy, really cool success story, but he can't really guard any anyone in the NBA. Um, let alone somebody like Joel Embiid. I think, you know, that's a reason why he's not in an NBA rotation. Um, so I, I don't necessarily agree with, with that as much. Um, I don't know, Un- unless you're hard fouling a guy, I just don't really agree with having guys come in just to foul. Um, I just think that's pretty unproductive in general. Um, but you know, if you were able to steal a, a couple minutes, if, if Embiid looked tired or something and was shooting jump shots and you're able to steal, you know, a couple minutes, you know, hoping that he'd be able to just shoot jumpers and not go to guy if he's tired. That that's maybe a time when you try to get a guy like that in. But um, other than that, I think it'd be it'd be unproductive. No, no, that's a good breakdown. That that actually makes a lot of sense. That helps me out. All right, a couple more on tonight's uh, tough one in Philly. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at Game Time.
quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event, concerts, comedy shows, sporting events, even Broadway theater, and with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally, for me, I love that view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a real look, kind of an accurate visual on where my seats are going to be so I know exactly what to expect before you spend all that money. And with their all-in prices, Game Time shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. Love that. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. See for yourself how easy it is. Create an account. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create any new account. Redeem your code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Game Time terms apply. All right, let's pick back up here. Uh, revenge game for Shake Milton, right? Uh, not that we expect anything much anymore out of him, but, but overall, what's been the biggest problem for him? Once he does finally get on the court, because for some people, including myself, we, we thought he would be a key bench guy this year. Is that more so because other guys have stepped up, though, or has he truly been a pretty big disappointment? Like what's what's kind of your analysis, I guess, on Shake Milton? Just real quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch a ton of basketball outside of the Wolves, and so the Sixers are obviously on national TV all the time. And mm-hmm. I, I was really pleased with what we saw from, or with what you know, I saw from Shake Milton last year and spot starting for James Harden when he wasn't playing, um, which was a pretty decent stretch, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I think he started like uh, more than ten games, if I, if I remember correctly, and obviously had that. I think he had like 27 or 28 points against the Timberwolves last season in Philly. That was the game Carl Anthony Towns got hurt in, um, and. I think it's fair to say he's been a pretty massive disappointment based on what the Timberwolves were expecting um, from him. And he, the biggest thing for me, why he hasn't been successful is he just doesn't look confident at all. Mm-hmm. And when you're a bench guy that uh, where scoring is your calling card or being aggressive offensively, excuse me. Um, and you're not playing with confidence. Uh, it's just really hard for you to be effective, right? Like at least, you know, when we had Jalen Noel come in last year, um, Noel, obviously a much worse defender than Shake Milton, but, um, you know, at least he was confident and came in and was able to score uh, effectively, uh, at least, you know, at least earlier on in the season, I guess. Um, and, and so, you know, the hope is that Shake can just find some of that offensive confidence because I think he's been fine defensively. You know, he's been better. He's been much better than Noel defensively. Um, you know, I think he's just got to be able to find more of his shots. And when you're playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns at the five, like the floor is going to be spaced out. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity for you to attack. Um, and he just hasn't been able to do that. I think he's really tried to get to some of his spots in the mid-range. Um, he's shown a few flashes of of doing that where he can kind of walk a, a smaller guard kind of down into the block and score in that mid-range area or get to the free throw line. He just hasn't done that consistently enough this season. So you know, the hope is that some of that confidence can can turn around here. Maybe it's it, it'll take someone getting injured and him kind of being forced into a bigger role. Uh, for that to happen. Um, but I, I don't know, man. Um, I, I'm kind of out of answers in terms of how you can get him going more. Um, you know, they, they obviously gave him plenty of opportunity with uh, the minutes that he had um, being in the rotation. Now he's kind of on the fringe of the rotation. You know, some games he might not play, some games he may only play five minutes, other games he may play 10 minutes. 
Um, and it's just really hard to regain your confidence when you're in a role like that. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the, the Timberwolves um, turn to turn to Jordan McLaughlin um, more than, than Shake Milton, at least, because uh, I feel like with Jordan McLaughlin, at least you kind of know what you're getting. Um, and I feel like when Shake Milton checks in, um, you just have no idea what's coming. No, that's fair. Um, back to tonight's game here, because Alec made a great point, I thought. And, and that's kind of pointing out when Joel Embiid finally was out, start that fourth quarter. Wolves really did nothing to capitalize and turn yep. on the burner, so to speak, with Paul Reed in. That felt like the last chance to get back into this one. Yep, that's exactly what I said to, to kind of off the rip of this uh, yeah. after the Embiid free throws is they lost those minutes by five points. Uh, they lost the non-Embiid minutes by three points. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like they just didn't get Carl Anthony Towns the ball enough at the start of the second quarter and the start of the fourth quarter when he was in there, um, you know, with those with those minutes. I, I want to double check here. Um, yeah, I mean, Carl played for for a, for a, only a few of those minutes in the second quarter uh, when Embiid was on the bench, but he played all of them when Embiid was on the bench uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, they just didn't get on the ball, didn't get him enough shots. Um, you know, part of that's on Mike Conley, part of that's on Kyle Anderson. I mean, that's why Kyle Anderson got taken out of the game after just two and a half minutes in that, um, you know, in that fourth quarter. So, um, and then again, you know, Shake Milton, I, I don't know why he was playing for half of the fourth quarter uh, when you really need to, to win those minutes. Um, you know, I understand you can't play Anthony Edwards that whole time, but um, I much would have preferred to see, you know, more minutes from Nikhil Alexander Walker, especially have both mm -hmm. of those guys out there to defend Shake Milton, or excuse me, to defend uh, Tyrese Maxey um, and just kind of go all in on that. I mean, it's not like Nikhil Alexander Walker was playing that many minutes. I mean, I know he had just played the final six minutes and change of the, of the third quarter, but I don't care. Put him out there. He can play 12 minutes in a row. Um, especially if he's not going to be the one guarding shake. So, or excuse me. Oh my goodness. Not the one guarding uh, Tyrese mm -hmm. Maxey. No, so, yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely, um, definitely us, a lineup blunder there. No, that makes sense. Help us find, uh, I don't know, a little glass half full here because I, I know Ben Beacon over on the Locked On Wolves podcast, he loves to do his studs and duds after every game. Who is the studs we can kind of cherry pick despite the loss? Three starters with 20 and more. Jaden, Cat, Ant, think they had 71 combined from them. I don't know. Give us something to feel good about despite this tough loss. Um, before we get into that, I'll just say the Timberwolves do not have to play the Philadelphia 76ers again until they, they potentially go to the NBA finals. So Maybe if that's you're willing to sacrifice right yeah. a finals appearance for playing the Sixers more this season, I think, think we'll be all right there. Um, yeah, I mean, the silver lining, again, too, the Timberwolves haven't lost two consecutive games. Uh, another silver lining, Anthony Davis likely not to play tomorrow. So feel good there. Um, but in terms of the studs, um, it's kind of a stud and a dud in that Jade McDaniel scored 19 points in the, in the first half of this game um, and then only scored two in the second half. He only took one shot in the second half. So I'm not not quite sure exactly why they went away from him or, or why they, they just weren't. I think that's kind of what happens when Ant gets aggressive. Um, and I think that's a huge stud uh, moment for me with Anthony Edwards. Just really took control of this game in the third quarter. Um, was was phenomenal there. Uh, had 11 points, four assists, and zero turnovers in the third quarter on route to having 27, 7, and 5. So he looks totally back from that, that right hip pointer and looks completely confident in his movements. And, and what I really appreciated from Anthony Edwards in this game was that he really got downhill and attacked the rim. Um, you know, if you just want to take a look here at, at all of Anthony Edwards' shots, um, you know, he took he took 10 shots in the paint, and that's certainly an improvement from him. Um, half of his shots in the paint, that's certainly something that Chris Finch wants um, and, and, you know, limited his shots 
that are, you know, non-paint shots um, that are not threes, uh, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, six of the 10 shots he took outside the paint were, were threes. That's kind of what you want from him. Um, so really, really great from him, especially against a Philadelphia team. I, I believe that is like top seven in, in most uh, shots allowed at the rim so far this season. So that, that was great to see from him. And then, um, you know, this was a game where the Timberwolves, I think this was the first time they had three, uh, three starters in that scored more than 20 points. Um, so obviously again, um, huge of Jaden step up. He was a huge reason why the Timberwolves, uh, grabbed a lead early in that first quarter. I think he scored eight of the team's first 15 points. Um, and then just kind of kept his foot on the gas attacking a much smaller defender in Tyrese Maxey. And that was something that I talked about in, in my preview that I wrote tonight over at Canisupis um, about the need for that. If Tyrese Maxey was going to have to guard Jaden, because without Batum, who starts, um, and, and without Robert Covington, who is generally the guy who starts for, um, you know, any of the wings that aren't playing. Um, and, and then obviously, uh, they had DeAnthony Melton get hurt. So Patrick Beverly came in uh, in that second half to, to start the second half. And it would have made sense to go to Jaden there. But um, but again, Ant just was was rolling. And then the other big stud for me tonight, Carl Anthony Towns played a, played a really good game, really composed on the offensive end, was really active on the glass. 23 points on 14 shots. That's about as efficient as you can get from him. Um, and, and added 13 rebounds. I want to say he had eight, eight, eight rebounds in the, in the first quarter there, which was great. And then obviously once Ruby got back into the game, he did more of the rebounding once he wasn't uh, in foul trouble quite as much. And then um, for me, the, the dud, uh, the biggest dud here outside of like Gobert, you know, just kind of being a victim of, of the foul baiting. Um, it was just a really bad game from the Timberwolves bench as a whole. Uh, mm -hmm. They only had 16 points before things got into garbage time. Um, and, and if you look at Shake Milton, uh, slow-mo and Troy Brown Jr. Collectively, they only had four points. So um, that's something that uh, that certainly needs to be corrected in the Lakers game. I have full confidence that it will. I'm sure that that 16 points um, as a bench unit uh, would be the worst uh, outing of the season from them. Um, and not, I mean, it was a, it was an okay Nas game. He had 10 points and, and two rebounds. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just kind of need more, especially from Nikhil Alexander Walker and Troy Brown Jr. Um, from the three point line, uh, they didn't have a three pointer made before garbage time. And then Kyle Anderson, I just thought, um, took too many ill-advised shots yeah, um, and, and wasn't really impacting the game as a passer only had one assist. So, um, and that, that, then that's a game where I think it's just an off night and it's just a little disappointing when you consider how thin the, the Sixers bench was tonight, um, you know, and how, how little the Sixers got outside of Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. Those guys scored, those guys scored 86 of the team's 127 points. It's like 67% of the team's points. So when you consider that no one else scored more than nine points outside of those guys, um, just disappointing that it was a good opportunity for the bench to really kind of grab control of this game and, and help the Timberwolves um out with extending some leads and they just were retaking some leads and they just weren't able to do that so i think not really a dud for any one individual player but just the bench unit as a whole i think was was unfortunate which we're not used to seeing either especially during this hot run the last 10 15 games quick 60 seconds on the sixers here because sometimes it's sure. it's also okay to give credit to the other Absolutely. team too right and and i don't watch a ton of eastern conference teams like you do and also, too, we didn't see Joel Embiid the first time around, as I mentioned, too. Not that I needed a reminder of how good he is, but, man, he put on a clinic tonight. But, like, what a battle it's going to be in the East again with Boston, Milwaukee, and the Sixers team. And, you know, I, I think about the Sixers. 
what, six, seven rock-solid seasons in a row here, but just can't get over the hump and get to that championship finals, right? I, I know they had the whole Ben Simmons fiasco there, that it was kind of the James Harden era there. Uh, feels like there's a new calmness, I guess, around that team right now. At least in the regular season. I mean, Joel Embiid yeah, hasn't done it right. in the playoffs. Right. Um, his body's given out on him, whether he's been in, in bad shape or fluke injuries, whatever the case may be. He hasn't been effective enough um, in, in the playoffs for sure. And and if they want to go anywhere, um, he's got to be there and he's got to be insanely dominant because, I mean, you saw it tonight. Like this Sixers team is really bad outside of those two players. Um, and it's and it's even more credit to those two guys that they've dragged them to a 19-8 and eight record with all these guys being pretty awful uh, outside of him. And I mean, at least, at least as, as scores uh, to, to provide mm. complimentary scoring. I mean, since November 21, they've played 13 games. I believe six of those have come against top, uh, like top 10 defenses. Uh, they've only had three uh, scoring performances of 20 points or more outside of those two guys in those six games. And two of them came in one game against the Celtics when neither guy played. So, um, yeah, in the playoffs, like teams are going to be able to take away those two guys on some level over the course of a series. So someone else has got to step up. And frankly, I don't know that that player is on the roster. And that's why you're hearing you know, the Sixers as a team that are surely interested in adding a, a third banana or at least, you know, mm consolidating to get at least a little bit more scoring outside of those two. No, that makes sense. going to be a lot of fun to watch anyways, either way, at the end of the regular season, going into the playoffs as well. All right, quick look at the schedule before we wrap up. But first, a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, check this out. New customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you win just a $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just a $5 on any money line wager. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. No better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Schedule coming up. Doesn't let up, man. Lakers, Kings, Thunder, Mavs again, and then back to the Lakers. Gauntlet, and I've been saying gauntlet on this show every week for this last month, right? Last 20 days, haven't I? Three of the next five at home, at least, trying to find some positives there. Quick thoughts when you hear that stretch after what you saw tonight. Yeah, I think tomorrow night will be a win just because AD won't play, and, and LeBron hasn't really played much on second nights of back-to-backs this season, so... He may not play. The Lakers may just punt on that completely. Um, we'll see about that. I mean, the Lakers, last I checked, they were losing to the Bulls um, tonight. I don't know how that game ended up. Uh, looks like the Bulls won by 16. So um, feel pretty good about that one. And then after that, I mean, it's another team where you, you got another, you know, guard that's got a lightning bolt in his ass and, and De'Aaron Fox, right? Kind of like Maxi tonight where he just took control of the game and, and bolted past, um, you know, all these uh, perimeter defenders for the Timberwolves. So that'll be a really fun matchup is just like, a, can they learn from tonight in, in defending such a small, quick guard that, that can compromise you in the mid-range with that floater and then also at the rim? I mean, both both Fox and Maxi are so good uh, finishing at the rim um, for, for such small guards. And then um, OKC, obviously, you know, you feel good about that one again, just because Shea's not a super quick guy, more of a herky-jerky guy, and the Timberwolves have done a great job defending those types of guards, um, and Shea specifically. 
um, just because they don't really have a whole lot of scoring either outside of Shea, right? And you feel good about, about Gobert being able to defend Chet. Um, and then Dallas, you know, Dallas will be really interesting. Um, obviously, Luka is going to be, go, you know, be Luka. But again, I think it'll be the same team that we've seen. And, and Jason Kidd said before the game that they played today that, that Derek Lively, their uh, they're really impressive rookie center who's been awesome, uh, does not have a timetable to, re- to return with an ankle injury. So Kyrie's out with a right heel injury. Uh, now Derek Lively's out. So they may be missing both of those guys. Um, and then playing the Lakers again, you know, off of two days rest, playing them at home again. Um, I feel really good about the Timberwolves playing the Lakers. I think it's a really good matchup for the Wolves. Um, and I think you know, Carl and Rudy are both, you know, pretty strong candidates to to be able to slow down AD. And, and you like the way Kyle Anderson's been able to play defense on some of these bigger wings. That was something I talked about in our last show here. And um, and hopefully, you know, he'd be able to, to do a good job on, on LeBron James if he plays because he hasn't really played a whole lot um, uh, in Minnesota in recent years. So, um, All right, I know you got to get out of here. I know also, though, on Monday night after the Heat game, Monday night football was going on. You had the Sacco Bowl going on. I know you lost a heartbreaker. You texted me that I night. did, so that what DK happens? Metcalf bomb. Oh, dude, those two bombs Brutal. to DK, four catches on the last drive. But what happens now? What What's the loser punishment? The people are invested, and they yeah. want to yeah. Um, so <laughs> I mean, keep it TV PG if you can. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly so this is the third year in a row I've been in Sacco for people who play fantasy uh, football. I had more than 300 more points against than the second most team. So that gap tough. was more than uh, what the gap was between the guy who had the second most and the least points against. So it's, I'm just kind of a running joke in my league at this point that I've just had terrible luck. Um, so I have to go to an undesirable location of the winner's choice with input from the rest of the league, I have to spend an entire weekend there and fund like 70% of the trip. So, um, so because <laughs> of my, laugh, because man, of like my content schedule with covering the wolves and the links as well, sure. um, I probably won't be able to serve it until the Olympics when the links go on a, on a break. But, mm-hmm. um, I, and the fun part about it is that I don't find out. So I'll pick the weekend far in advance. So we're good there. So I'll know at least when I'm going but I won't know where I'm going or what I'm doing until 24 hours before I leave. So whether my friends, whether my friends, yeah. So I'm going to give my friends my, you know, all my flight login information. So they, they're going to go in and book a flight on my behalf and I won't be able to look or any of that stuff until 24 hours before. um, If I do end up needing to fly somewhere or drive somewhere, whatever the case may be. So and then, then I have to document all of it. So I have to make a, you know, take videos of myself at different places or photos or whatever, and make a slideshow that I will then present to the group. Um, Sounds like at our, work, at our next man. Draft. It's work. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, it's kind of a bummer seeing DeAndre Swift get tackled by Jason Kelsey, his own guy. Um, that was the difference there. Um, oh, right and then that the Trevor line. Lawrence. I don't know if people were watching the Sunday night game late in that game. They had a TD wiped off the board off a pretty questionable thing there. So that, that was Calvin Ridley well. back of the end zone. I assume you're referring to that touchdown. Yeah. Terry McCauley said it was hundred percent of touchdown. So scary. that was yeah, tough yeah, one. Scary Terry. All right. Well, can't wait to get the live updates from the airport or the Greyhound bus, <laughs> wherever it is, but, but at least you got a while to prepare mentally for that as well. Correct. Right, well done yep. tonight. As always, Wolves lose a tough one, 127-113, drop to 20 and six on the year. Joel Embiid, man, not much more to say after that. As always, 
Huge shout out to everyone that joined us on tonight's postcast. Rest assured, we're going to be back same time, same place right here to break them all down. And quick reminder as well, go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter at JRBorman13. That'll do it for us tonight, though. Next on deck, it is the Lakers tomorrow night. Join us again right here for the entire recap and follow all our work over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. And make sure, if you haven't already, Ben Beacon ripping it up with the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.